1: Welcome to episode sixteen of the Coventry Telegraph podcast. While we sing together, I'm delighted to be joined by former Sky Blues boss Stephen Presley, who's going to talk about managing the club through arguably the most testing period in the city's history. When you look back at the, uh, the players you had at that time, and the likes of Callum Wilson coming through and Leon Clark and their partnership, and the amount of goals you were scoring, and, that, and all on the backdrop of that adversity of moving to Sixfields, yeah. you know, I mean, that, you know, you must. You, you must go down in history as one of, the managers, one of Coventry's managers has worked in the most trying and difficult circumstances.
0: I think so. And I look back on it as a, a, a real success story because, you know, once you start, you know, football, football just now, a lot of the time is we only look at the success, but success can be when you maximise your resource. and and dealing with situations, that can also Mm. be success. I know in some people's minds it's only about winning the league and ultimately that's what I want to do with my career. But part of your career, and unfortunately this doesn't happen anymore, your apprenticeship, there's not, nobody looks upon certain situations as an apprenticeship and i think it's 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 hugely important to have that behind you and i spent my three and a half years at Falkirk in really trying circumstances and then two years at Coventry in probably the most trying circumstances because at Coventry there's an expectation from the supporters and quite rightly so Mm -hmm. to win games but also at the same time when you're having to cut budgets, when you're having to develop young players, when you're having to deal with moving stadiums transfer embargoes, points deductions, motivate your players on all of these topics even little things when I look back on, we didn't spend one night away on a, a on an away trip every away trip whether it was Jovo, we would travel in mm. the bus and we didn't even stop for pre-match, we Beans on toast or chicken and beans on the bus, and these are incredible things that people don't understand that we had to deal with. Pete Turney cutting the grass at 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 the rico Arena before a game because it wasn't cut. These are things that people (laughs) do. They're amazing things, you know. And you ask Pete, he will tell you. You know, we we have a chuckle about some of the things that we had to do. Uh, But they were they were they shouldn't have happened at a club like Coventry, but they did and they were great things that I had to deal with mm. but you know I was very proud of the work you know I thought that we we, you know when I arrived Callum was, uh, wasn't was even actually training with the first team group he was with the, the development group and mm. you know his development was something that we're really proud of in the first season um the team were as fit as you will ever see them it's mm-hmm. something that I pride myself on mm-hmm. I think that for players to perform at their maximum levels and to be able to carry out the tactical detail that I work towards they have to build that real elite level of fitness mm-hmm. it's funny football's a game where it's the only game that I know where players believe they can achieve greatness without maximising their own physical performance mm. and it's something that I really strive to do and that pre-season was one of the best and we had players at elite levels of fitness. The so how do you do
1: that though? How, how do you get them to that level? and um, What do you do differently to what a normal, a regular League One club would do? Well. We work in a way where I'm seeing many of the top clubs working now I see
0: Liverpool work on the periodisation model Some of them talk about a tactical periodisation model We, football, fitness periodisation mm-hmm. model um, Liverpool work towards uh, I've looked into other clubs like Tottenham and what have you They're all working to the periodisation model I went to a conference many years ago when I was in Scotland And it was Varhean, I think talked about this model I then researched the model I looked into and Pete Turney then took on and looked Mm -hmm. at certain aspects of it, he looked at Bayern Munich he looked at Juventus how they were really pushing their players and that was when I just joined Coventry we then adopted the model which is a model that works on six week cycles so (coughs) not only do you get your players to a certain level of fitness throughout the season you're continuously pushing them pushing them to to aspire to new levels. Mm. And it's got to be managed in a certain way. You need down periods within that. But I'm a manager that likes to play a high-intensity, high-pressing game. And for players to be able to do that for 90 minutes, they must have a certain level of fitness. The other thing is, you know, the fitter you are, the better your touch is, the better your decision-making is, the better you recover. All aspects... And it's no coincidence in all other sports that that is a huge contributor to success. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, certain players and people don't understand that. And I had to learn that myself as well. So it was something that particular pre season, because we worked with really probably only 16, 17 players. Because if you look at the bench in our first season, there's players on that bench that don't. Play football hmm. at any level anymore. You know we had some young players that were that were making up the numbers, but probably every week you came to the Coventry game and you really knew the starting eleven. Hmm. The eleven picked itself. So with the fitness of the players as well, they were less susceptible to injury. We managed to play them. The problem came in January when Wolverhampton waved some money at Leon yeah. and he wanted to go, yeah. and also. Uh, Callum, Callum got injured, didn't he? injured he got a shoulder injury um, That kept him out for Two and a half, three months yeah. And that was when the wheels came off And also Conor Thomas Who was playing at the top of his game At that time Also sustained a really bad uh, Head injury mm-hmm. at Rotherham So probably three of our Key players at that moment In time came out the mm-hmm. side And the wheels came off A little bit, we lost momentum And the truth is, you can work many aspects in football, but you need the players that'll make the difference. Mm -hmm. It's at all clubs, you know. Even look, you know, since I've come out, I've analysed a lot of things. Even if I look at Brendan Rodgers at the time of Liverpool, where they nearly won the league, and then the following season had such a dip. What changed? It wasn't his tactical ways. It wasn't his training. It was that he lost Suarez. He lost. Uh, Sturridge injury That's what changed The players didn't Turn the good work Into winning of the games And we lost those mm. So managers can be Very strong on the Training ground But they still need The players mm. As we've seen with Manchester City Last year Where Guardiola Had them playing Terrific football But just didn't have Enough to win Certain games To what they are now mm. And and it is that uh, you need those special players and we lost a couple of those Mm. and I think if we still had those we might have I think the day we won at Rotherham where a lot of it changed Callum got his injury Connor got his injury Leon was unsettled Mm. we had just gone into 7th or 8th place Mm. after having a minus 10 points uh, going into January I think we might have just done it Again. I mean,
1: you touched on. I mean, there's so much luck involved in, it in management, does. isn't there? You know, because you can be the best manager in the world, there, there is going. But you know, if you've got your best players that, that get injured or whatever, or without doubt, going,
0: you know. without doubt, I felt at that time we were a match for anybody yeah. with our eleven. The problem is we didn't have any depth to the squad. Mm. We had absolutely no depth. You know, you could reel off Baker, you know, Musa, you know, Fleck, Thomas. Uh, Clark Wilson. It was mm-hmm. the same every week. Mm-hmm. Cyrus Blair. It was the same every week. Yeah. But the problem was beyond that. We had no depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, in the, the the second season, the recruitment was our biggest problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Give me, I want to ask you about Callum, um, because it was your decision to to go with Callum that season, yeah. give him his big chance. Um, I mean, was that? I mean that was inspired I mean but, but was that more judgement than necessity uh, how did that come about because I mean I mean you know I mean, you gave him his chance and he just he just well, took it didn't he he was sensational there was a couple of things see when we first I always remember the very first day
0: of training it was a Friday at uh, at, uh, at Coventry and once we'd finished with the first team me and my assistant Neil we went over to watch the development group, the 23s group, and there was a couple of players immediately caught our attention when we watched it. It was Billy Daniels and Callum. I immediately seen something that I liked in both players. We then brought them both within the first team squad. Callum, um, I think in my second game in charge at, uh, at the Rico actually came on and scored. Um, Coming off the bench. He then played in some of the games towards the end of the season. His, his performances were slightly indifferent. He had some good performances and some really indifferent performances. But there were certain aspects of his game that were really strong. He had power and speed that, you know, at any level was mm. going to trouble defences. But throughout the pre season, I still hadn't decided on the combination up front. I was either going to play Musa along with Clark or Wilson along with Clark and the weekend prior to the start of the season we played, as I like to do, I like to play 2-11s because I wanted everybody to have the same game time, the same levels of fitness going into the season. And we played, I think we played at Mansfield on the Friday night, and we maybe won 3-2 or 4-3. Hmm. And Callum was unplayable that night, but didn't play with Leo. And we then played at Oxford the following day, and I think we lost 1-0, and it was musa and, and Clark up front. And in the lead-up, our first game of the season at Crawley, we were working on 11 v 11. I think it was a Thursday. And again, it wasn't clear in my mind. So, I, st- I worked with two combinations. I worked with Musa with Clark and Clark with Wilson. And when I put Clark with Wilson, you could just see that it was a combination that was right. It was a combination that suited both players. Because Leon, although he plays a, a nine, he likes to drop in at times as a ten. And he's got great awareness of his. his um, Strike partner Callum doesn't want to link the game. Callum wants to run through all the time. So the combination was actually a perfect combination. And mm-hmm. the two Callum's pace disturbed people, forced defenders back, allowed Leon the space to come in and drop in, and then from there they combined brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And from that training session, that was the start of it. And yeah, like any manager, you need. Luck, you need it to work. You need the, the dynamics to work, and they did. And after that, there was no looking back. Mm-hmm. You know, they went strength to strength, and they were a formidable partnership, mm-hmm. a truly
1: formidable partnership. Uh, are you? I mean, obviously, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're you're delighted at how his his, his um, career has gone uh, from strength to strength. But did you ever think at that point that he would go on? to play top flight football to do as well as he has done and be on the brink of possibly even in England international honors. well no if the truth be told
0: I wasn't sure they had the capabilities to go and play at the real top level but the one thing that Callum's taught me is because I learned as well when I watched the progression mm. of young players is that when you've got the speed and power of Callum and also when you've got the hunger and the appetite and determination, column, You've always got a chance. Mm-hmm. And I think his speed and power can trouble teams at any level. And I think that that uh, was a learning curve for me. I also think that when I've worked with, both as a manager and a player, with many, um, with many players, what separates them isn't always the talent. In fact in most cases it's not the talent it's the desire mm. to be the best you can be and I think in Callum you have to I actually exchanged texts from just the other week because I was so happy that he scored the hat trick mm. and the thing for him is this, he's come back from two now really difficult injuries and he's shown an incredible you know, incredible uh resilience Mm -hmm. and and strong mindset and I think that that's why he has a real chance Mm -hmm. that he's taken many knocks in his career and he's always proved to come back from them so you know I'm really delighted the way his his career's gone and to be honest with you I think that he should be exceptionally proud of what he's achieved Mm -hmm.
1: Do you think he'll play for England?
0: I hope so I hope for him um, he's had to contend with a lot. I think if he does, he, I don't see it being this year, I think for him he probably has to show consistency of of, uh, of playing games over a period of time. But as I've said, he's a type of striker that will disturb anybody.
1: Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Thinking about Clarkey, I mean, he's done exceptionally well this season as well, hasn't he? And well, he, you know, he's had these sort of year, years of sort of um, being this sort of nomad drifting from one club yeah. to another and never really settling, but he's, he's really.
0: Well, you, you know what's interesting? I, I thought his best period in his career, mm-hmm. and I'm not just saying this, was that period of six months when you look at his history, when you look at his mm-hmm. return, but it wasn't just that, he bought into what we were trying to do if you look at him out of possession for us he was terrific, him Mm. and Callum in terms of high pressing game he really bought into how we wanted to press he was actually a player that really wanted to train properly Mm. and he suited me in that respect because I'm very demanding on the training ground and Leon actually likes that You know, a lot can be said of Leon but he comes he, with a bit of baggage, isn't he? He, does come a reputation. With he comes with reputation, <clears> throat> but throat> he actually is somebody that wants things done yeah, properly. Yeah. Underneath all of that, he wants to train properly, he wants to do things properly. So, he actually, for the period of time I had him, was brilliant until obviously he was he was offered significantly more money, and that's that change. But as a character, up until that point, I had no complaints with him at all, he trained brilliantly, he applied himself properly and he'd been amazing for me and I think that that had been his best period of his career Mm. up until the last six or seven months, Mm. but I think his current manager is similar in that respect I see his current manager as a manager that's very forthright with him I think his manager is a manager that demands really high standards and I think Leon will buy into that if Leon sees things going correctly then he buys into it -hmm. he Mm -hmm. buys into it and he's always had the capabilities of doing what he does just now because he's a really intelligent striker Mm -hmm. Um, and his form just now is just breathtaking Mm -hmm. but I'm delighted for him because you know he, he does have baggage but he's also had a very complex upbringing you know, he was a player that he had to manage slightly differently because of his history and because of his his, his upbringing. Then I actually yeah. really liked Leon. For some strange reason, I had a good relationship with him until the final weeks. Mm-hmm. But in terms of his application
1: during my time there, I had absolutely no complaints yeah. with him. What Well, we talked a lot about you know, the high points and the, your achievements, and I think people will look back fondly on, on your time with the Sky Blues. You know, and... That team that you had and the combination you had there with the two strikers, and the amount of goals it was scoring—I mean, it was a fantastic time to be supporting <laughs> the club, yeah. despite you know the, the the trauma of having to go to six fields and all that sort of stuff. But you had some great away followers, didn't you? I mean, it was MK Duns? It was 6, 000, 7, 000 yeah, it was there was six, seven thousand there. I mean, that, yeah. that must have been scored. incredible. It
0: was. Uh, it was. What's his name scored two free kicks that day. He's a buddy, uh, Oh, he went
1: to Oxford, didn't he?
0: Yeah, uh, Maguire. Maguire. Chris Maguire. Maguire that's yeah, cool. Chris Maguire, Yeah, Chris Maguire. like. He's was online, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, that day, when he put the ball down, I think he'd been practising free kicks the day before, and he was not convinced at all. But <laughs> Neil had played with him at, at Aberdeen. Neil, Neil was convinced by it. So when he put it down and put the first <laughs> one in, with a little chuckle. But to score the second one that day was great and the atmosphere and mm-hmm. the support that day was immense, yeah. it was, these were great great moments you know and at the time the one thing that I always felt was that I had a really good rapport with our supporters mm-hmm. you know I, I'm a hugely passionate manager and I thought I built a strong rapport with them, yeah. I really loved the club, I really loved everything about it and you know, I did have a chance to move, and I didn't move because I felt I had the rapport. I felt that like Coventry were a club that, if we could just go over a hump, mm. we could uh,
1: take them to some special places. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But uh, no, it was some some great memories. What, what was probably the, the lowest point for you, apart from office, apart from the end, but during your period? I mean, was it the, the Worcester City? Yes. Mean, yes. How did I mean? What happened? I mean, it, it can happen, can't it? You know, and it can. It was a great again. Now I, I was a young manager, and I was a. I
0: do that five years. It was a great experience for myself. It was interesting. We never took that game lightly at
1: mm. all.
0: We actually filmed our game. We had somebody at the, They played uh, Leamington the week before, and we had somebody. Uh, one of our, our analysts went to the game, and Leamington kindly gave us the opportunity to film the game. Uh, we watched the game. We, had, we we collected all the the uh, information we possibly could on them. But watching the game, they looked like a team that that wouldn't apply a great deal of intensity or pressure to us. And that week we worked on how we we're going to break them down in our little block. And the game was the polar opposite. And I think they caught us out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But. The one thing I had said at the time was that we didn't get caught up in any provocation, any incidents, and although we hadn't played well at all, you know, the turning point obviously was the penalty kick, the goal, and obviously losing Lee Birch Mm -hmm. at the time, just before half-time. But it was a real disappointment to me, that, because, you know, I I think that, that with the history of the club... Um, and for me, you know, losing to, to opposition in, in several leagues below us as is, mm-hmm. is, 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 is Coventry City isn't acceptable, mm-hmm. and uh, we have to have a real pride in ourselves. And I was just disappointed, and I didn't see enough hurt in certain members of the team mm-hmm. that I certainly was feeling. And you know, you were at the interview. I mm-hmm. think uh, on the Monday of that prior to our our check uh, checker tree trophy on the Tuesday and I was hurting and there were several incidents that happened after that within the dressing room that, mm. uh, that I felt um, were players not worthy of, of wearing the shirt mm. um, or didn't fully understand the importance of, mm. of wearing the Coventry shirt at the time and you know it, it drove me to, to make the comments that I made which mm. I was I was very truthful mm. Mm. but it was it was a real it was a real low point but the truth is the second season and again when I spent some time after losing my job and looking back at, at many aspects of how I was to improve how I uh, the mistakes that I made and it came down to a big part of it was recruitment mm. in my first season there when I arrived at the club it said from day one that I didn't have a good knowledge of the English market and that we had to set up the appropriate um, recruitment department but because of all the side issues without, with moving to Northampton problems with finance we only had one scout in the building mm-hmm. and it was Graham Brown and the truth is and again I look back and I cannot believe that we allowed this to happen but he couldn't travel to certain games because of the mileage costs and various things. Mm-hmm. So when it came to the end of our first season and we lost and moved out quite a lot of players in the second season, we had only done the due diligence on not that many players. And the players that we had carried out the due diligence on, we missed out on. So every single player we recruited in the second season, we hadn't done the correct due diligence on. We hadn't the match reports. We hadn't viewed them on numerous amounts of games. We went on, We went on. Um, I suppose, the word of other people.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the end, we were stunned by it and we didn't do the correct uh, as I said, the correct due diligence and the sign of the players, mm-hmm. and in the end they came back to haunt us. And that was my biggest regret. Um, I wish I hadn't signed many of the players on the evidence that we had, and I'll never do it again. It's one of the reasons that I left Fleetwood. I went to Fleetwood because they did have a department. But I didn't like the process of signing the players that was one of the reasons that I left the club mm. because of my experiences before and what I was seeing again and I wasn't going to be culpable for something that I wasn't yeah. fully in agreement with
1: yeah. Yeah. and you, you talked about the, the fact that you had the opportunity to leave country mm. was that Huddersfield?
0: yes at the time Which I, twice t- uh,
1: ironically that was after Mark had lost yeah, his job
0: twice Twice yeah. I, I would I'd met them, but on the back of that, Coventry then offered me an improved three year contract, mm. and I was at the stage where I worked so hard for probably fifteen, sixteen months, mm. and I was beginning to see young players coming through, I was beginning to feel that we were slowly turning the corner. I. I honestly think that we moved certain aspects of the club on too quickly. You know, in hindsight, again, when I look back, I would have the transition and the change of personnel wouldn't have been as great if I could go back and again. Um, but I was seeing signs of what I wanted to see: the Madisons, the George Thomas, the Keen Harries, mm-hmm. the the the. Players of that quality, the younger ones all beginning to come through. You know, with obviously the Wilsons of this Mm. world, the Flex. These players were all beginning to move in the direction that I felt, and I felt that the three years would suggest I felt that if I could be there for long enough, then I would start to see the fruits of that. And I wanted Mm. to develop a really vibrant young Coventry team. That was Mm. my vision of the club. That's what I felt had been. I was brought in to do, and I felt that, that we're really beginning to see the, the fruits of that. Mm. Unfortunately, I never got to see that through, um, but that was really why I felt at the time I had a really strong relationship with the support, mm. and I honestly felt that the club were going to give me the time to do what we all hoped was going to happen.
1: Because t- towards the end of your tenure, it looked like uh, there was a disappointing period, but then it sort of looked like it was just picking up. That, I remember that game was at Bramall Lane. Yeah. and uh, I See, think it was, it you winning 2-1 and 2-2. Yeah, we, we lost 2-2. But the, the truth is, you're absolutely
0: right. We played it, We were going strong as well. The week before, I think we lost 1-0 and dominated mm. the game. But the disappointment was that slowly but surely we're coming back again. Mm. I, I felt that we were really beginning to pick momentum up. And it disappointed me because I I felt as well that the summer of the second end of my second full season was the first time we truly cleared the decks. It was the first time that we'd have the group of young players plus the real opportunity without having to go through the the
1: bomb squad
0: scenario (laughs) without having to go through the the, the pushing players out of the club without all of these things without having to reduce the budget I'd got to that point where there was room within the budget without having to move people out Mm. that we could move them in the young players the Madisons the Thomases were all coming and I felt that getting to that summer was a big a big point in my own time at Coventry Mm and as you said Andy I really was disappointed because I felt that if I was sitting in the dugout there and if I felt that I'd lost the group of players if I felt I didn't have the dressing room I felt there wasn't the performances then I would have held my hands up and walked away no problem but that's not the feeling I had at the time Mm. I was really strong within the, the, the dressing room then I had a really good feeling about it and that was my biggest disappointment I understand that that results over that period the last six months hadn't been strong enough but I also think that you can look deeper than that and you can look at the squad you can see has the manager still got control of them do they still believe in his ways and I think the answer was 100% yes mm-hmm. Have you seen Koppel too much this season? Or... I've seen him a couple of times I've seen him a couple of times yeah. and uh
1: Can you believe how, you know, that they're in now in League 2, they've dropped another league? I think I can, Mm. um, because I
0: think that, again, I don't think there's been clear leadership. I think, by the way, I'm not talking about Mark here, Mm. because I think Mark's the right man for the job. I actually think Mark will get promotion this year, and he's done a number of things in the background, like the recruitment Mm. structure that I'm talking about. It was so important to the development of Coventry moving forward, he's put those things in place but I think at the top I think that the club requires real direction and real understanding you know, that's the one thing I think that when I was brought in, I think I had a vision I think that if you look at many of the things that they spoke about during my time there, that was the vision but that vision changed as soon as I left and, and, and that's one of the things that, that, that I think that they've never shown real conviction in anything that they've done. You know, is that you have to sometimes go through difficult periods to get to eventually where you want to go. And I, I think, if I was to use the word, it would be rudderless. I think they've been rudderless now for some time. And because of that, I think if you look at many of the clubs that have gone into decline they've been lacking real direction from the very top mm. they've not had a real leader at the top driving the club forward and I think that that is what's sadly missing at Coventry City at this moment in time
1: So do you think the only way to change that is, to, is for a change? Uh,
0: I think for the club to I'm not saying that that Mark can't take them the, the, the first step in terms of returning them to League mm. one but if Coventry want to be a Premier League club, then definitely mm. they need greater leadership at the top. I think if you look at the, the decline of Portsmouth, for example, the decline of Southampton, mm. you know, a lot of the big clubs that really went into decline, there was a lack of direction at the top of the clubs. When that changed, the direction of the club changed. Yeah. And I think that that is vital. I think that. That, uh, that somebody like Joy actually needs to show leadership at a club. And I don't think that she's shown that for the club, and I think that that's what's lacking in Coventry City at this moment in mm-hmm. time. Somebody with real leadership that makes everybody understand where they're going and how they're going to get there. And, of course, you have to deviate from that at times. You have to make decisions at times that are right with the strategy of course you do because that's football but the longer term strategy always has to be in your mind and I'm not sure that they've got
1: that yeah. now you're out of work at the moment but presumably you're ready to get back in back on the horse yes. back, on the, back into the mad world yes. of management <laughs> but you never want to stand still are you you've been doing a bit of travelling as well yeah <clears throat> oh, I,
0: I visited some clubs here in England you know, I've been you know, I have been in Villa, I've been in Birmingham, I've been Southampton, I've been in, you know, even like the likes of so you know, I went in to see the current manager there who I think has done an amazing job. Again, the, the problem is in football and we talk about travelers, but again, there's people that can do terrific jobs where they're maximising the resource of their football mm. club, but the perception is they're not. You know, he's getting a hard time from their supporters at all, so and I can't believe it, because he's probably got the smallest budget in the league. From a year ago, he had to completely build or rebuild a side, and on the back of that, he's managed to comfortably keep them in the league last year and put them in a decent position this year, and he's still getting noises from their supporters. And this is what I'm talking about, the realisation and understanding that this guy's actually doing... A great job at Walsall,
1: mm.
0: but he's working with really restrictive resources. But I was in there, I, I went in to see him. I've uh, been to Spain, I went to, to watch Espanol preparation, Atletico Madrid in their preparation. About a month ago, I went to Tel Aviv, I spent a, a week over there with Jordi Cruyff and Steve McClarn. When um, I got the boots on the other week, I was out in Mexico <laughs> playing in a charity game, which uh, wow, which was very enjoyable. It's a long yeah. way to go for a friend, it though. was. <laughs> yeah, it was, and uh, I had to put my wits against some some top players. And uh, who did and you pe- play against? I played against uh, the the likes of Ronaldinho and Co. And it was great. Uh, unfortunately, I was playing it right back and he seemed to drift to the left hand side <laughs> and my speed and recovery is not particularly good at this time so it was kind of an all or nothing <laughs> style of defending but it was good, we really enjoyed it the game finished 2-2 um, and then went to penalty shootout and uh, after 5 penalties it was 4 each and a step forward for the European select and uh, unfortunately it was saved by uh, the Uruguayan. Previous Uruguayan international goalie who <laughs> is close to 60 and I think he'll let him win <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, he saved my penalty so uh, it, was a good, but no, it was a great trip, it was all for a really good cause, we played for a, the World Peace Organisation mm-hmm. and uh, it was to do with the, the, the earthquake victims in, in Mexico so it was really good, but I'm absolutely ready to come back management you know I've been out now probably 17-18 months um, I've missed out on a couple of several jobs that I, I really did fancy and unfortunately didn't get I've uh, hit the post on a number and I've turned down a couple north of the border and, and one south of the border that I didn't feel was right for me. Mm. Um, but it's difficult, it's a very difficult um, profession just now in terms of especially applying your trade in England. You know, that's why I'm very open-minded to working abroad. Mm -hmm. You know, off record, I was chatting to you earlier about, you know, three opportunities that I've had about going abroad, and I'm very open-minded to that because the market in England is such that You have so many foreign managers and top four managers applying their trade, not only now in the Premier League, but also in the Championship, that it's forcing British managers, who you would normally regard as really good Championship Premier League managers, to actually be looking lower-level Championship, and even now League One. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a situation where it's very difficult to get the right job, and ultimately, as I've said earlier, now we're just being judged by are you winning or losing. Nobody's looking at circumstance anymore. That taking the wrong job, it can it can be the end of you. So it's about taking the right job with the right circumstances, and I, I do want to find that. Well, good luck,
1: and thank you very much for your time today. My thanks to Stephen Presley, and thank you for listening. To listen to more Coventry Telegraph podcasts. Uh, Simply subscribe to Audioboom or iTunes. See you again soon.